Welcome to the Afikra podcast. Today we're going to be featuring a conversation between myself, Mikey Mhenna, Ahmed Shahab Din, and our guest, Tariq Yemeni, who is an acclaimed jazz pianist and composer. This conversation was originally recorded over Zoom on April 28th, 2020. Tariq was our first guest on the series, and we're honored to be able to feature his music as our theme song. Hi, everyone. So uh, if you haven't gotten a chance to introduce yourself in the chat, feel free to. Um, my name is Mikey Mhenna, um, and we're really excited about today's program. This is the first time we're doing one of these sessions. Um, I'm joined by Ahmed, who's right there for me. <laughs> and who's going to be helping me co-host uh, tonight's event, which I'm really honored that he's joining us. Thanks, Mikey. Um, so I've been lucky enough to go to a few of the Afikra events in the real world. Uh, so it's really a privilege and an honor to, to tra transition into the digital space and be part of it. I think I should just get straight to the conversation, sure. right, Mikey? Yeah. And we'll introduce Thadit, who probably doesn't need an introduction if you're here, but um, for those of you who might not know all the details, just go over some of the highlights. Uh, thought it can also correct me since this is an interactive uh, session in case I get something wrong. So thought, I was born, <laughs> thought it was born and raised in Beirut. Um, and I guess that makes him a Lebanese American pianist who is newly based in Berlin. Uh, and I had the pleasure of hearing him play in February 2018 in Brooklyn at the National Sawdust on a very cold day, but inside it was very hot to say the least. Um, thought it, it, actually the thing that I found most intriguing about the bio as I read it in different places thought it is that you were 19 or so when you taught yourself jazz. Mm -hmm. Since then you've been exploring specifically the relationship between African-American jazz and classical Arabic music among other connections and conversions. Um, and, uh, you know, you've won a lot of awards as one does when they're talented and inspiring, um, including the Thelonious Monk Jazz Composers Competition and the Bereshnikov Artist in Residence, which as someone who's a huge fan of Thelonious Monk, I mean, Mabruk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're in for a good conversation and we want to keep it candid, we want to keep it light, but we also want to keep it deep. Um, yeah. In these times. So uh, I know you've performed not just in New York where I saw you, you've performed in Spain, in Berlin, in South Korea, and even in Cuba, right? Mm, yeah, Cuba was a dream, man. I can only imagine yeah. how you <laughs> about Cuba. Uh, so yeah, you've also, oddly enough, in your very few years on this planet, um, you have two books that you've self-published, correct? Right on rhythm and you've also composed films I think for, that have screened in countless festivals all around the world and according to the New York Times which you know facts matter and they claim to be factual mm -hmm. so the New York Times says that you play jazz piano with more than a hint of Arab influence so <laughs> whatever that means <laughs> whatever that means I was two hints. you have two hints at least yeah. <laughs> yeah. so I thought it you know let's use that whatever that means and elaborate yeah. on that. So you can maybe introduce, um, I mean, I'll be really blunt with you. We exchanged for those of you who are, you know, not privy to this, when we were going over the conversation with Mikey and thought it and I talked briefly on Instagram and he was like, I didn't know you played piano. And the truth is I don't, but um, thought it, I'm trying to teach myself chords at the age of 35. <laughs> so how, and maybe did you start teaching yourself jazz, let alone yeah. chords? Um, that make up jazz as a teenager like how did you get into music generally and why jazz at that age yeah well to me it's really a calling first of all thank you so much guys really for having me and for this amazing introduction and thank you everybody for being here it's gonna be fun i'm so looking forward so i'm not gonna get into too many details i guess but uh but to, to make it brief um uh, i think it's a calling i do believe in uh in genetic uh, destiny, let's say, and uh, uh, let's say maybe or otherwise call it genetic uh, uh, correspondences. So I think there's something deep down in the history of wherever I come from, there's something black along the way, something that vibrates with African polyrhythm that is three against two. Mm. That's just the, the short story. So that, that vibration, that resonance is really the main reason why, 
when I listened to jazz the first time, I was like, okay, that's it. And it's the same thing happened happens to me happened to me the first time when I went to the to the Gulf to the Arabian Gulf, which was Qatar at that at that time. Yeah. There's something so unmistakable, strong, unmistakably strong, yeah. said to me that there's something here that I feel like I just vibrated with that place. So so there are so. I, I do believe that, you know, I come from a lineage that came from Africa through the Arabian Peninsula and somehow landed in Lebanon. And those things cannot lie, especially if you're connected in certain ways to your to that part of yourself, which I think I am. Like, I do feel these things and I do think that they are not an illusion or a, a you know, manifestation of my own mind. You know, I think they are real because I can differentiate between what is like real experiential and what is just, you know, and you know, just your mind telling you stuff. You as a jazz pianist, right? Um, I think of the way you uh, approach as um, you're like merging uh, Arabian folk music or like Arabian um, elements of Arabian folk music, whether it's like rhythmic or harmonic with this African-American folk, folk music, right? Yeah. But the, the consequence, the confluence of the two comes out to sort of be like high art music. Yeah. Are you trying to achieve folk music as well? Are you also trying to achieve music that feels sort of of the people too, like stuff that you can snap your fingers to and kind of dance to? Is that? Yeah. Well, but, but the thing is that, you know, like if it's uh, too complicated, yeah. But it, but it's but it's easily understandable, you know. Like there's there's it's it's not like if it's too complicated, it means that it's not understandable by people who don't understand that language. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So there's a way to make art accessible, and only if you know that art, or or if you're from that department, let's say you understand this department, you would know that oh my god, this is like a high art. This is complex, you know. But but it doesn't have to sound complex to, to, to everybody. So you can make something that is really complicated. It's like what Einstein said, if you can explain anything, yeah. you know, simple enough. No, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. The you quote. should explain something as simple as possible, but no more simply. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 yeah. So I think, I think you can combine because in the end, every, every single, um, every single aspect of art that has come throughout the ages, Mm. was traditional at a certain point, was what is what's considered traditional. And then it merged with something else, with another tradition, and then it became something different. And then this, and we, we just keep growing on that tradition. But, but, and somehow there are like two, like two branches that always branch out from tradition. There's the, 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 the traditionalists who keep the tradition, but still, no matter how much they keep the tradition, they will always go out from it, but they just keep as, as close to it as possible. And there are the innovators who take the tradition and completely mess it up, like change it upside down. These are the innovators, the, the laboratory uh, people, you know, who like to just mix things up and just see what's going to happen, you know. But then I believe that we need both, you know, because, because without the traditionalists, we wouldn't actually have a, a foot in the past, like know where this is coming from. And without the innovators, we wouldn't know how how the possibilities because they are endless. What can you make with something like Arabic music, for example? You know, it doesn't have to stay in the traditional form. But that doesn't mean it's either or. It's just it's just you know versatility is great. You know, that's how we flourished as as a species, and that's why we are so different. It's because people you know mixed between each other, and. Yeah. And 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 thought it like there's obviously so many different ways to reference uh, refer to what that mix is like in you know French and if we're going to be high and holy we would say like a cultural brassage um, if it was like a restaurant people would call what you're doing fusion because you are fusing fusing two different cultures together but I know you rightfully don't like the term fusion so I guess what I want to ask you two quick questions the New York Times says you play jazz piano with a hint of Arab influence so the Egyptian Ahmed in me wants to know how much. How much Arab? Which what I'm getting to, I guess, is is it intentional? You were talking about being an innovator. Like, um, is it intentional to mix it? Perhaps it is, but is it, you know, are you not to 
deconstruct the New York Times' sentence, but like, it, is there a balance between the two? Is it something you just feel? Um, yeah. How do you find a balance in your mixing two cultures together? Yeah, it's intuition, really. But but but, and it's also it's both. So so it's it's a need. It's more more than more more than anything else. It's really a need because whatever you do, there must be a need behind it. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. Or if you do it, it wouldn't get to the end result that you know. Unless you really have this very strong need that you want to achieve something, or there's something that is a calling, you know. Yeah. So for me, there's absolutely was a calling to become adept at jazz language. That's definitely because otherwise, the road that I took and the, um, I mean, it's just it's very complicated music and it requires so much practice and so much work to 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 understand it and and speak that language fluently. So the fact that I've done this work with 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 love and with like ease in terms of like I didn't have to push myself. It just came flowing through me, it means there's a calling. And at the same time, where I'm from is so deeply embedded in, in my, you know, in my genes that of obviously at a certain point, I'm gonna have to mix these two, whether I like it or not. It's, it's, it's just the way, and I, and I gave this example many times, uh, I, I think it's the best way to, 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 to describe this is like speaking with an accent. So no matter how fluent you become in a, in a foreign language and you make it your own and you can speak the most complicated stuff in it, mm. you can still know that this person is speaking with a, with a certain accent and that accent is where his original tongue, you know what I mean? So, it's, so I think this could, could be the case in a way. Um, I'm going to jump to one of the, just to play a little music, I want to jump to one of um, one of the things that, I uh, found online that you did that I really like. So this um, this uh, video that you put together, right? This is yeah. a reimagination of Bud Powell's one of Bud Powell's tunes. Yeah, this is you. This is you speaking in an accent, right? I guess so. Is this a, is it an intentional know. thing where you're saying this is a, this is an intellectual exercise? I want to reimagine this tune, or you're like this is how I would play it had I been Bud Powell. Before you answer. Let me play a little bit for people so they can hear. Okay. Um, and then we can uh, we can come back to it. Harmonic changes of Bud Powell's tune. Yeah, I changed um, a little bit. To, you changed a little bit, but the harmonic architecture of the tune is the same. So this but on is the top blue. of it, you're yeah. reimagining both from a melodic standpoint. You're rewriting the tune in your head with that accent, and then right. rhythmically, you're using these Khaliji rhythms. Yeah, rhythmically, I'm like I hear I'm more phrasing. I mean, I, I, I was trying to phrase more like Khaliji, but the thing is, this is like the very latest thing I've done. So, yeah. so in a way, it's like, it is intellectual because I've worked, I've been working so much. So this is kind of like the result up to now, let's say, yeah. of, of like many, many years of playing this stuff where something is just starting to happen naturally, where now, because I've studied so much jazz phrasing, and it's only new that I'm, I'm discovering the Khaliji phrasing, which is really different. So somehow it's like it's merging without me intellectually doing anything. It's just yeah. so my muscles that are used to jazz phrasing and my understanding is like getting, taking this Khaliji phrasing mm -hmm. and somehow it's making naturally something new, something, a third kind of phrasing. Yeah. Right. You grew up in Beirut, I believe, yeah. right? 
Yeah. Um, and so you, there are these two areas that you keep on referencing, right? There's like Levantine sounds mm. that are going to be infused because it's part of your accent. And then yeah. there's like all this Khalijia rhythm that you're infusing. That yeah. You didn't grow up in the Khalij. No, but, um, but, I, but I think... Uh, I, I think your name we, is Qara el-Yamani. Yeah, my name Yemeni. is Yemeni. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I don't know if that's like psychological because all my life I'm like the Yemeni, you know, and then I have the psychological thing. But I do feel something to the desert, like it's really strong. It's, it's not a joke, like it's just, it's a strange sensation when I go there. And then I wish I sent you this picture. It would have been nice to put it in the slide. Yeah. The picture of my grandfather, which I, the first time I saw this man was like two years ago. So all my life, I didn't know how my grandfather looked like. And, and we, didn't, we didn't know anything about him because he died very young. Uh, like my father was very, very young, so he didn't know him. And he didn't know what he did and, and his history, so we don't know. But he looked like kind of like East African and with a, like what seems to be like a Yemeni or Khaliji dress. So that yeah. picture kind of confirmed my feelings that he definitely didn't look like a Beiruti, you know, yeah. definitely. So but it's, yeah. funny. it's funny not to interrupt, but Mikey, that, I was yeah. going to ask a similar question because I'm actually here in Kuwait in the Khaliji. And even though I'm originally Palestinian, you know, we all, whether real or perceived or inspired, we have different identities, as we referred to at the top. And thought it, I know you said you're recently discovering this connection to the desert. Um, and I've been spending a lot of time in the deserts uh, during quarantine, in the desert, I should say. So why that connection? What inspires you about the Khadiji Desert beyond what you just shared about your grandfather and the confirmation? And then if you could just talk about the term itself, like Afro-Khadiji or even Afro-Tarab, mm. uh, what does that mean? And, and yeah, what does it mean to you? Forget what it should mean to the audience. Yeah, well, to first, the first question is this connection is really, uh, uh, like we have, we have a, a, an ancient memory in us, you know, like things just keep passing from generation to generation through, through DNA, you know. I mean, your DNA is just a collection of memories, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why you would look like you're, you would have traces of the features of your great-grandfather. Right. It means something in the DNA was, was, was retained. And it's not just appearance, and it's just not blood cells, and it's, it's, it's everything else. It's also traumas, it's memories, it's, you know, the food you like, uh, you know, like, why would you like a certain food that I wouldn't like, you know, so... So you just feel this, you know, you resonate with certain textures that in the end, what, what all these things are, they are just frequencies. Mm -hmm. Taste is a frequency, sound is a frequency, visual, you know, your visual taste, that's frequency, that's a combination of frequencies. So if we take that, then, then all of this will make sense. So yes, when I go to the desert or to a place where that is close to the desert, just like some people feel with the sea, you know, yeah. Like they go to a place close to the sea, they already feel alive all of a sudden. Even they don't see the sea. They're just yeah. close to it. Just that feeling, you know what I mean? So if you're, if you're originally from there, even if you're born in Sweden, you will still feel something towards where you originally came from. Or maybe where your past, let's say, uh, great-grandfathers and mothers were spent the most time in a certain place, you know, so they acquired that kind of, you know, relationship. What's, what's Afro-Khaliji what's Afro and Afro-Tarab? It's like, I mean, with the name, I'm, I'm just mostly trying to, to, to like reference and confirm the relationship uh, with the name to the ancestor of, of this thing, whatever it is that, I, that I'm doing, because what I'm doing comes also from the Africanization of, of how these melodies and how these patterns came through. Because the jazz wouldn't have happened if it weren't for the African slaves that were, were, sent, were sent over through the transatlantic slave trade. So. And then this, these people took their instruments with them, took their culture, their language, their sense of rhythm, and they applied it to the squared thing that they were put in. <laughs> and then they found ways, you know, to escape it. They, 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 they faked the religions, they faked certain ceremonies, but in the end they kept that and that became the blues and the blues became jazz. And then the same happened with, uh, with uh, Khaliji uh, culture. So there was this fusion between the slaves that came through the other, the other way around, which is also something that is precedes the, the transatlantic slave trade. 
and if you look at at uh, places in Saudi Arabia, I mean all over the Gulf, but especially in Saudi Arabia and 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 places around Bisha, you find the, like the the, um, the numbers of black Saudis is just huge, and all these people play percussion, and they 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 have their own traditions, and and I've written about that in the book. So so they added their things. So what what we refer to as Khaliji is actually Afro Khaliji in a way, you know which also have other influences, of course. There's the Indian influence, which is a huge... Uh, I mean, the Arabian Peninsula is, is centrally located between... It's a step away from Africa and a step away from India. So there has been this mixture. Tada, I'm curious about uh, the way uh, audiences have sort of heard your music. Yeah. You, you, know, you grew up here, you studied in Europe, you played professionally and lived in uh, the U.S. for a really long time. You've traveled the world, you've played in Latin America... Um, I don't know how much time you've spent in East Asia, but you've played, you've been around and you publish online. So you're distributed globally. Um, how, how does your music fall on people's ears in Europe versus the U.S. or versus in regionally? That's the first question. And second question is, how are you finding players? I mean, like I was looking through, I was looking through the people that you're playing with and looking at the names of the drummers and trying to understand like how many Khaliji drummers are you finding to, <laughs> to play both Bud Powell as well as your... your none, none, basically. <laughs> trying to understand where are you finding these players? Um, yeah. So yeah, so if you could talk about that, the audiences yeah. as well as educating the players that you're finding to actually be able to hang with you. Right. So the thing is that it's like, that's, that's, that was, that's one of the most, uh, beautiful moments usually for me is like after the concerts and it doesn't matter where is where people uh, feel, you know reaction you know a lot of times people's reaction is so similar and that, and that's always strike striking to me uh, if it's, it was in New York or it was in Europe or it was in the Middle East even though the difference between West Western audiences and and Arabic audiences is that for the for the Arabic audience they feel more they identify the Arabic melodies, and for them, what's different or new is the jazz harmonies and the rhythms and the interplay with like the the, the trio, let's say, which yeah. in the in the in, in the jazz in the in New York they're so used to. But what's weird, what's new for them is like how these Arabic melodies are put inside this thing that they're used to. So it's like two different perspectives. Yeah. But the reaction is very similar in terms of like it's. To, to, they say like what what most most people say is that it sound doesn't sound like either or it sounds like something different like like a third kind of thing and 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 that really like that means so much to me because that was kind of my vision and my uh, way of like trying to get somewhere I was like consciously wanting to get to something that doesn't sound like either or. It's like just kind of like organic, easy, smooth melding between two different traditions in a way that, you know, you make it kind of like a baby, you know, like two people get together and they make this new human you know, <laughs> that, has its, yeah. that has its own, you know, personality, own, uh, own identity, own thing, you know, own features. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, so that's that's really what I've what I was cooking, you know, what I've been cooking, and I'm still cooking it. You know, I mean, it's I mean, the dish is not done, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're glad you're still cooking. Um, speaking of kind of not being done, um, and taking it back a little bit, I think we all have that one song in our life that really changed things for us. Maybe changed the way we listen to music, the way we uh, imagine uh, music, and I know you've referenced Herbie Hancock before and the new oh. standard as changing your life. How can a piece of music change your life and how did that piece of music change your life and lead you to this cooking, yeah. cooking business? <laughs> the cooking business. Cooking that's, with sounds. That's, with uh, yeah. that's, that's, a good, that's a good way to put it, actually. I am in the cooking business for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah, Herbie... I mean, that track, because the way it happened, it's one of the things, of course, but this particular track is, has a different meaning for me because I was still like, it's not the first jazz thing that I've heard. I've heard jazz before, but I don't recall what, what, what it was. Mm -hmm. And I was starting to get into it somehow, but have no idea about it. And I was 
in Hamra, uh, like going through like the jazz section, it's just a D section in a store back in those days, you know. So I was like fooling around. I had no idea who all these people were. So the guy on the, throw me at the jazz section. So he put this, this record, which just came out mm-hmm. and there was nobody in the shop. So he put the volume really loud. And I, I, I remember it was like, it was like a, an enlightening moment, you know, like this, how the sound just yeah. entered, you know, like walked through me. And, and I felt like, a, like I had a revelation. I felt like this is what I want. And it's like this guy knew what I wanted and he just put it for me. And I was like, what, what is this? It's like, yeah, this is Herbie, blah, blah, blah. Like I'm, I'm getting the CD. So, but for him, he was doing, you know, his job. He was trying to sell me something. <laughs> Let's, uh, should we play a little bit of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna come. So yeah, the way it changed everything is that I took this record home and I started playing with it yeah. over and over and over, but I had no idea what I was doing, but I, but I knew that like, this is what I want. This is, this is what I want to play. This music and I want to play piano in that way, you know, in that direction. So it's kind of like put, kind of like drew the goal for me. And then I never, I never switched from that goal. So I just kept going. Is, I would imagine Herbie is quite an inspiration from a technological perspective too, with how much he plays with synthesizer, how much he plays with piano as a sort of a technological instrument, as technology as well. It's definitely, it's definitely an influence also as the way he perceives like here because when I start swinging I mean the solo here is phenomenal how much did you practice and how much do you practice now has it evolved like was it were in those earlier days when you were learning about the genre of jazz in particular and you said it didn't feel like work at all i would imagine you just practiced for countless hours but how has that shifted as you continue to create yeah well it definitely devolved (laughs) (laughs) i wish i wish i could practice like before (laughs) it's it's i mean I mean, one one of the reasons I can't practice like before is just that I handle all all my work, you know. Like I'm I'm my own manager and agent and website yeah. designer and graphic designer. It's like it's just so much work, and I actually enjoy that stuff because mm-hmm. probably that's why the the reason why Mikey uh, have, has me here is because I'm a geek and he likes geeks. So I'm. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd. You know, like he did. He did mention that thought it when he when he told yeah. me like, would you want to join? I was like, yeah, we're gonna geek out. Yeah. So 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 I even learned coding. You know, like to code my. I mean, I like the stuff. I learned video editing. Like I go I go through things. So I got like I like to you know like kind of perfect things. I'm I'm a perfectionist. Of course, I can't perfect. It's not like I perfected the other thing, but at least I have this mentality. Yeah, I was practicing, yeah, like 10, 9 to 10 hours. That's when I'm actually practicing. But then, even when I'm not practicing, I would have, I, I, like, I made uh, tracks uh, of, like, ear training stuff where I was making my own ear training stuff, you know, because there wasn't, you know, you couldn't get, get them from anywhere. So I would play the notes and say what the note is and make the, and shuffle them. And I, and I, you know, guess. So if I'm not practicing, if I'm doing something else, I have the stuff in my ears. So I was, that would, that would actually make it almost all day unless of when I'm sleeping, which, I mean, if I'm sleeping, I'm definitely practicing because that's when your brain is actually right. connecting everything you learn during the day. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was nonstop. And that was the reason why progress was very fast. A lot of credit to the to the to the fact that I can I could see progress because as a self-taught there I had absolutely no uh, st- like a standard or or somebody like to give me any like any any kind of feedback I just had no idea I was really I had this strong gut feeling and I was following it blindly and I had a hundred percent belief in it intuition so, yeah. I had this intuition it's like this is the way I'm doing the right thing mm. and I'm just going so but 
even with intuition, you need some kind of data so you know you're on the right path. And that data was the fact that I could see progress like concretely. I could, yeah. I could touch it. I could feel it like on a weekly basis. And that gave me so much confidence that, mm. that it's happening, it's going, you know. So, and I just, you know, just went for it. Uh, I want to um, open up to uh, the sort of the forum because we're getting a lot of really good questions. But before we do, um, this is the first Africa Conversations. And one of the things we want to do is have, um, have people um, basically um, answer this question. You answered it beforehand because I asked you because I wanted to load up this stuff. But um, I'm curious what, um, you know, I wanted to know everyone we have uh, do these conversations. I kind of want to know what got them super curious really early. Yeah. And I loved your answers because I don't think it's what people expect. Um, and so I, I kind of want to just have you walk through these three in particular. Okay. Um, and talk about what influenced Tom and Jerry, <laughs> what influenced Megadeth, and what influence <laughs> reading about the brain and cognition has had on a career as an Afro Tarab pianist. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you think I should play some of the Tom and Jerry for a second? Yeah, yeah. You can talk over it. Yes, just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I queued it up to the point where it where it started. You could put yeah. it though. No, it's after. Yeah, when? Hello. But see the setting? That like really vibrated with me. I mean, I was a kid. I had no, no clue what this is. But that vibe. Was like, <laughs> I would probably want to be there some, someday, you know? I mean, maybe another kid would not be there someday, you know? Like, I don't know what it is. What song... Um... Do you remember the first song you heard besides uh, the Herbie song that that made you feel like, geez, like for me, I, I play I play piano, nowhere near what you play, but I remember the first time I heard uh, Manteca, the Dizzy song. Ah, okay. It blew my mind away. I grew up yeah. playing trumpet and I uh, play piano, and the, his first his first four bars. Yeah, it sounded like he was stretching a balloon. It blew my mind. I, I had yeah. no idea how he was playing the trumpet that way, and the grooves shocked me. Like, mm. are there like you were listening to Megadeth? You were a guitarist. You grew up <laughs> playing guitar. Yeah, yeah. So that was pre, yeah, pre jazz. I was, I mean, I haven't listened to jazz until way later. Yeah. So, so before, I mean, my background is actually Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd were like really. <laughs> I, I just, I was like obsessed with Pink Floyd, like really obsessed to, to the point of sickness. And then, and then I listened to classical a little bit. And that's all because of my father. My father had this amazing collection of like Ravi Shankar, Bob Marley, ABBA, some obscure indie, like, uh, not indie, uh, obscure like rock, English rock bands, like Manfred Mann and Creedence Clearwater Revival, you know, stuff like this. So that's really my background. And then I got into heavy metal. And I was, and I taught myself to play guitar uh, after I like was like uh, completely fed up with the classical system and this in the conservatory because I I took classical piano lessons which I did not like and and I quit the piano and I went to heavy metal. So, but how did that influence? I think it was just like you know when you're a, when you're a seeker, you know you just you just you're looking, you're always looking, you know something's telling you keep looking and then you know when you find it. The point is like not to stop until like something really, really strong tells you you found it. So, so for me, heavy metal was an amazing phase and I love this music, but it was a phase. Uh, and the moment jazz creeped in, or let's say the sound of the blues. And by the way, I mean, heavy metal comes from rock and rock comes from the blues. So at the end, yeah. you know, it's all related. So, so yeah. Uh, and then having said that comes to the, the Zen and the brain. So I, I'm, I'm also, you know, I, I'm, I am a seeker also on a spiritual, on a spiritual level, and I'm, and I'm still seeking, you know, I'm, I, I'm looking for things all the time, and I think I have, I've been drawn to Buddhist philosophy, even when I have no, I had no idea what it, what it, what is, what this is, but like, why would I be? I mean, now I ask myself, like, who would buy a book like this as a teenager? with zero background, 
about I mean somebody from Beirut, you know, Muslim background. I mean, it was just so attracted to the stuff, you know. And then, so I would buy it, and then I would like really dive into this this uh, these philosophies, and it just attracted me, but I didn't know why. But the thing is that I would go for it. And in this book, I learned a lot about the brain because it's actually it's a neuroscientist who's trying like to correlate Zen with brain with the brain and how how meditation affects the brain on it. And it's it's one of like it's an eight hundred page book, and it's one of the you know first like revolutionary. Uh, studies about like the connection between meditation and brain science. Mm. So I haven't finished it, but but uh, I think I stopped at a certain point. But I learned so much about Zen and about the brain. Got it. With with that in mind, before we move on to the questions quickly, uh, Mikey, if it's cool, yeah, I did want to kind of push a little bit further on this because I, you know, as a journalist out of training, I had to read some of your interviews with other people. <laughs> so I had to competitively tell myself this would be a more uh, compelling conversation. But in all seriousness, there was one quote I'm going to read back to you. And I'd love, yeah. based on what you said about Zen and the brain and the connection to music, I'd love to hear you kind of extrapolate out because I can really relate to mm. that journey inward. So you said, quote, recently, the real question is, what am I saying? This is a question everyone's struggling with on a spiritual level. You're trapped in your own thoughts, fears, anxieties, and stresses. But once you take the time to actually look inward and ask who you are, then the discoveries are just insane. Mm -hmm. So what are those discoveries that you learned about yourself and what made them insane? And how does that connect to the music you make and the innovative aspect? Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I, first of all, I don't like think about these things as related to music. Uh, really? Yeah, like I don't connect the stuff to music really because I feel like music is just one aspect of the so many different aspects of what any person is. You know, like whatever it is that you do, it's just one aspect of who you are. There are so many dimensions to who you are. You know, but but it's, but I feel like most let's say artists or whatever it is that we do, we get so attached to what we do and then we start identifying ourselves with that only one thing. Mm -hmm. But you know, but I'm not a musician, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a so many different things. One of which is a, is a musician, but all feed into each other somehow. So, so, so I just, so if I'm, you know, people, for example, a lot of people would just geek out on just one subject but then actually they think they are going places, but actually they're not because they're blocking other stuff from, from like, you know, enriching the musician. The other, them. You know what well, I mean? Got it. The reason I know exactly what you mean, because like I left my job six months ago, partly because I had realized I over identified as this identity of I'm the journalist and therefore that's all I can be. Right. So it's this over attachment to that idea. Yeah. And then recently, you know, exploring music, different things. And, you know, I know exactly what you mean, but I think it's such an important point at this moment. You know, obviously, the reason we're doing this online is because we're all forced to be physically distant and to spend time alone. And so I guess the follow up quickly is like, where does creativity come from for you, whether it's about music or anything else? Because recently in a workshop, I was in an actor's workshop and I had this kind of aha moment that you were describing when you were talking about Herbie Hancock, where I realized that in order to be creative, you really have to have a quiet mind, at mm. least for me. Like, you can't be distracted. You can't have the repetitive loop that plays out in our minds. And then kind of creativity comes almost from within when you're quiet mm. for me. So I'm curious for you, how is that process? Yes, it's, ex I mean, I definitely believe in, in that. You know, that, 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 that mind you're talking about is what's called, they call it the monkey mind or the default mode network. And 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 that's that's the the the, the network that uh, eventually we all like need to work on shutting it down because this is this is really what's making life that would make life miserable for anybody who has a problem with with like psychological or mental stuff uh, like let's say anxieties or fears or all these things they're yeah. all this mind that is non-stop throwing at you thoughts that you don't need. But once these thoughts go away, because they are all illusions, you know, they're all, you know, your own creation, basically. Yeah. Because if you stop them, and, and of course, meditation is one of the best ways to practice 
mm-hmm. of stopping these thoughts and then just having this clear mind. What does it mean, clear mind? Clear mind means letting, you know, getting rid of all the fog. So what's beneath, you know, your, your unconscious, your subconscious, not unconscious, uh, it can, can actually start communicating with the conscious. It comes from within. I mean, you, may, you might call it subconscious. It's, it's one of the sub, because our, we have many different sub-minds, you know, it's not like one, one sub-mind. And, and each sub-mind deals with a specific aspect of, of sensory material. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it comes from, from, from there, but that thing is so mysterious and it's connected to other stuff. It's, co- it's like a radio, it's like an antenna, like you are an antenna, right? So, so, I mean, just imagine that you have these waves that are coming to a radio, but if the radio is not tuned into that frequency, nothing will happen. You wouldn't know even that there's all this music that is coming in through the air, but then tune in and all of a sudden there's this music. I mean, it's crazy, right? Yeah, but if that's-, if, if that's happening to a radio, Imagine you as a human, like yeah. what, I mean, we, we are just an incredibly sophisticated antenna that if we tune in, yeah, it's mind-blowing, you know, yeah. it's just mind-blowing what's going to pass through you. The information that you will receive is just mind-blowing. But I it's not like a megahertz away from... Surprising, Mikey, you said? Yeah. yeah, I find it surprising, and then I want to open this up... Um, because when I hear your music, I hear very um, cerebral and intentional music. Mm. I feel very cerebral and very deliberate music. Mm. Um, and I think that's in keeping with your, your personality. Uh, you have a very deliberate approach to work. Everything is quite intentional. You're, you're very intellectual. You want to see what happens if I flip this triangle upside down? What happens when I uh, move this point here? What happens if I change, uh, right. you know, if I invert a, a Bach fugue? How does it sound? It's yeah. very intentional. It's super, super intentional. Um, yeah, but so where does intention come from? This is yeah, that, that's the point. That's what's right? interesting. It's interesting to me that it's, it's almost like you've opened up the fuse and then you'd be like, what are my intentions? And let me grab hold of them and yeah. then like see them through to completion. Yeah, because so I mean, look, look at, I mean, if you're an inventor, yeah. you know, like, I mean, if you're inventing something consciously because you're like, I want to do this and that, but then how, how did you come up with that idea? Yeah. I mean, something told you to try this and this. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have, you have a million uh, chemical uh, thing. Like why, why, why mix these two? And then you get this explosion. You know, something tells you stuff, you know. Yeah. It could be cerebral, but it doesn't mean that it's... I mean, everything that is cerebral has had a communication at a certain point with, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. with, exactly. the, with like, the subconscious, at a certain point. Like but the idea is subconscious, but yeah, just the, you the completion is... Yeah, it's up to the conscious cool. that to make, yeah. to make the, 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 the thing, you know, work. I mean, that's how we make it into action. Okay, I want to open up to some questions. Uh, Lisa, if you could unmute yourself. Uh, Lisa calling from, I believe she's calling from Sharjah, if it's the Lisa I'm thinking, or uh, from Dubai or Abu Dhabi, UAE. Lisa, are you there? Over the last few years, I feel that momentum has really gained around the rediscovery, exploration of links, links between the Arab world and Africa, not just in music, but in visual art um, and other um, and other art forms. Do you know where you're heading next in this particular line of inquiry? Great question. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I know. <laughs> you know, because it's like, um, it's really, I really go with the flow and, uh, and, 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 and I'm constantly changing. Uh, honestly, like my mind's changing all the time. And that's a good thing, uh, I think. <laughs> so, 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 I mean, if I now I think about it, I would like to explore more. I have this, this feeling, this like uh, need to explore more Khaliji music, that's for sure. And I have this need to explore more the quarter tones found in Arabic music. Mm. Uh, and these, these two things kind of like now are, are taking over, let's say, uh, uh, my, my next like thinking about projects you know, that, that are coming. Because I feel like with Peninsular, it was, you know, uh, it was the first 
thing I've done, and it was really a, a, a scratching the surface kind of thing. But but that opened up a whole you know uh, other possibilities. And with the quarter tones, yeah, I haven't done much yet, and there's so much to be done. So so I'm 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 definitely putting a lot of time into this stuff right now. Um, Lisa, I think you had another question as well. Is that uh, right? Yeah. Why are you mentioning Axis Air? Axis Air is a, is a hip hop band from Beirut. Uh, and I, if, I, if, I, if I'm right, if I'm saying Wait, that. Wait, Tade, were you an Axis Air? Did I yeah. not know this? Yeah, you didn't know that? Oh, man. I didn't know that. Yeah. How, did, how did I not know that? You didn't, know, you didn't do your work, man. <laughs> I did not know that. I saw, I saw this like hip hop connection, but I didn't ah. know that you were in Axis Air. Yeah, I was in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was. You know, wow. we started. We started it together. Basically, I mean, it wasn't. I was like more in the background, but but it started. It started the three of us. Yeah, and we were. I was more like you know making beats and. Can and I just say that good thing I did not know because this whole presentation would have been very very different. <laughs> we would have been talking about hip hop the whole time. We would have been talking about ping pong pong. Yeah, yeah. And uh, by the way, Lisa, Lisa was uh, was a main a, a, a catalyst for for this whole uh, peninsular thing that 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 came to happen. So wow, yeah, that's amazing. But you know, through the Abu Dhabi Music and Arts Foundation, because they commissioned the work, the the album and the and the book. Amazing. Yeah. So so yeah. I mean, you know, I think you know, I was just curious since the beginning and, and I did, I didn't like, I wanted to explore others. Uh, you know, I mean, at that time I actually wasn't even considering a music career. I had no idea. I was 18. To me, it was all a mystery. So what well, it calls me is like, do you want to join? I'm making this rap band in Arabic. I was like, yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> and I mean, I, was, I, I didn't know how he even like, why would he call me? And I, didn't even play. I was starting to play. So anyway, it, it was great. It was really great. One of my first experiences, I mean, the first experience of being in a band and playing concerts and, and even eventually touring. And know. a very influential band, hugely influential. Mm. And, I have a question yeah, that's, about that's this. That's what I heard. <laughs> yeah, no, it's super influential. Um, yeah. I have a question because when I think of jazz, and then we're going to, Alexandra's going to ask a question next. Um, when I think of jazz and the blues, I meant I sort of alluded to this in my first question, um, and I think of Khalija rhythms and stuff like that. I think of dance music. Yeah. For me, this is supposed to be dance music in its essence, whether you're talking about Congo Square or you're talking about any sort of hip-hop club, right? Like, at some point, this is supposed to move your body, right? Yeah. And um, at some point, it became... Uh, they like that Tom and Jerry scene, right? They're like, they're in a dance club with people dancing. Um, are, is there dance music that you listen to as Tare and say, I love this. I fucking love this. I want to create stuff like this. Uh, I mean, a lot of Brazilian music and Cuban music are, are yeah. two of my favorite, you know, and they're definitely dance music. Mm. You know, I mean, they're not dance music, you know, they're, they're just, you dance to them. It's just the nature yeah. of how they're, how they're made. And uh, and Lebanese uh, music, I mean, Dabke, I mean, it's yeah. like, it's very, very, you know, the Maharagan from Egypt. Yeah. I love, I love this stuff. And and I would, you know, I've worked with the Dabke and I would love to work with the Maharajan. And you know, Khaliji music is another example. But yeah, I explore all, all these things. And I think, I think they're like the most rural form of how things came to be because mm -hmm. the, probably that's how it all started. Yeah. It wasn't. It, it was like this kind of like, it's a, it makes you move, but it also, it puts you into trance because, yeah. you know, all these, all these rhythms come from the traditions of religious ceremonies where they used to invoke certain gods, you know, and, and, and the same tradition happens in the Gulf and in Egypt and in yeah. North Africa. They call it Zar, they call it Istanzal, but they have exactly the same thing in, in, in Brazil and Cuba. Yeah, and it's all coming from that kind of uh, West African tradition of of uh, of uh, you know going into trance through the drum. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alexandra, while you unmute yourself, I'm going to play a little bit of Tarit's Afro Depke um, song just so we can hear what you're, what you're talking about.
Alexandra? Yeah. Should I? Go, go for it. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't need it. Um, yeah, I love this song um, on so many different levels. Uh, right. I wanted to ask about um, the, the piano and like its limitations and possibilities it has because um, obviously in more Khanija music or the Bad Powell thing, you're using other microtones, maqams and things that, so to say, you can't play on the piano or you have found a way to do so. But I was wondering if you've ever wanted or felt the need to um, play uh, like shari, uh, um, musical instrument, to be able, so to say, to play the maqams or kind of hear them from their own context. Yeah. That's kind of like when I wanted to start um, kind of getting into Arabic music theory, my false Syrian uncle was like, well, you have to learn an Arabic instrument. And I was like, well, that sucks. You know, I have done so long at the piano. And then when I heard your music, I was like, well, there's, see, you don't need to. <laughs> <It was> yeah. Kinda... <laughs> yeah, well, of course, it's, it's, very, it's very limiting. I mean, the piano is limiting anyway. Uh, any instrument that is, that is like stuck to the Western a tuning system, which is a whole other discussion that is is probably not not the right play and time now to to go through it. But the 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 Western tuning system is faulty because it has been decided by somebody that they wanted to make equal tempered scale, and so they make all these notes are equally away from each other, so so people can play in all keys, and then this became the standard. But that was like, it's it's this is. It was good in a way, but also bad because because what if I don't want to, to do that? You know, now I'm stuck and everybody in the world is stuck with the system. And so for me, I struggle with the system because because it's so hard for me to play using the tonalities that I want. So I have to always find ways. So yes, it is limiting for sure. But at the same time, you have to, you know, deal with what you with what you got and there's always a solution at this time it's through technology you know so so if it weren't for technology i wouldn't have been able to do that but i found a way to like tune my keyboard in the way i, I wanted but yes of course it would help a lot to to learn another instruments i've actually dabbled a little bit with oud and buzo but but really really just because i have a guitar background i could but not in any way to influence uh, my music uh, uh I thought about it, but then I realized I could just take the challenge and then try to make the piano as like to tame it <laughs> to, way, to in a way that will, you know, make me feel feel good. And, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's a day by day thing. I think the more time will pass, the more I find solutions. Uh, so, but I don't take it too seriously, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it would be Oud or, or Buzo if, if you were to choose or... I would choose buzo actually. I really yeah. like buzo. Yeah, I love the buzo. Yeah. Mm, I wanted to learn kanun and then the same uncle just like crushed my dreams and explained <laughs> how you have to tune the thing for like an eternity. But I still want to do it. I'm going to find Don't worry, to we do all it. have that uncle, <laughs> Alexandra. We yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Monique had another question as well. Thanks, Alexandra. Yeah, so you were talking about, you know, having all of these. Uh, different influences on your work and music and living in all of these places but do you have a center of gravity a place that you always come to a home you know if at all you mean you mean home as in like physical place um not necessarily but like if you want to take a break um of, of you know doing things if you want place to regain yourself what what is that place for you where do you do that Probably that would be like when I have my tea, my my black tea after lunch. That that is really the moment that I don't uh, I don't skip for any meeting for for anybody. Usually, like I would I would cancel meetings. I mean, I haven't canceled concerts because of it, but I make sure that I have it. But uh, but uh, you know, but that's. I mean that's that's like the joke kind of answer, but uh, but yeah, I mean I I really find I really find refuge in uh, in uh, mysticism and uh, uh, and just asking questions about kind of deep questions about who we are, 
uh, what, what am I? I mean, you know, because we, that's, that's the question that I'm mostly concerned with uh, because that will affect everything else, of course, because if you figure out yourself, this will be great uh, gift for anybody around you. Uh, I, I love that you said, what am I instead of who am I? Yeah. Interesting shift. In, <laughs> in, in, in yeah, because um, that's, that's the realization that eventually you, you make when you, when you let's say, uh, become uh, aware or, or, you know, it's like, you know, what you are is not what you think you are. For sure. The more we know, yeah. the less we know. Yeah. The more we know, we know less. Uh, quickly on the flip side, if I can, Mikey, um, because yeah, I was surprised to learn that you moved to Berlin mm. recently uh, without necessarily getting into the reasons for why or, you know, whatever you want to share. I'm, I'm kind of curious how Berlin or being in Berlin, however long you've been there, has inspired you or influenced you if it has at all yet um, mm. or why you felt gravitated to move there recently for people who don't know. Germany has injected 50 billion euros um, and, you know, the cultural minister in, in Germany made that available because of the coronavirus crisis for creators and for cultural creators and, you know, people like yourself, musicians who, who live there in Germany. So mm. how has that influenced you? Uh, it's true. That was an amazing thing they've done, definitely. I mean, it's like, uh, it's, yeah. it was no questions asked. Whoever lives here gets... Uh, you know, if you freelancer, self-employed, 5,000 euros appear in your account, no questions asked. You know, it's, it's, it was really, really amazing and really quick. They've done it, you know, just yeah. to make people. And it was, it, was, it was amazing. Sorry, the reason I brought it up is it was amazing that that was seen as a priority. You know, with yeah. everything that's happening about tests and PPE, which of course are priorities, there was, you know, awareness uh, on the importance of creating in this moment of uncertainty, which I think. Right. Is, yeah. And making people feel... Uh, because because the first thing you wanna you wanna contain is that fear of the unknown, especially for self-employed and freelancers. Right. You know, all musicians, you know, musicians, that that's you know, we don't have anything to support us. So it's like all the gigs got cancelled, and it's like mm -hmm. you really are in this place where okay, so what I'm gonna do after? So that creates you know this kind of at least makes you take decisions prop more properly. You know, when you know that there's money coming. But anyway, uh, so I moved to uh, I moved here actually uh, almost exactly uh, a year ago. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be able to say how being here influenced me at all yet because I've been using uh, Berlin as just a, kind of like a, I just have a place here where I have my stuff and and I have like my daily life at home, even mm. though. Uh, Outside, I mean, I love the city. I love my bike. I love biking. I love exploring places, and uh, and I've made a few friends and I've played a few gigs. I've went to some sessions. It's it's great, uh, but I've been traveling so much since I moved here that I still don't feel, uh, you know, like, you know, I'm here. I I, I actually, Can I? Can I? You know, the quarantine made me feel more that I'm here because that's the longest time I've been in. The <laughs> yeah. Because but I'm always like, I come and then I travel and like for two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. So didn't feel, you know, and, and the reason why I chose Berlin was, was, you know, I'm a kind of like a, a instinctive kind of guy. I don't know. I just. Intuitive? I, yeah. I say instinctive. I mean, intuitive. Yeah. I, some, something told me to come to Berlin. I don't know. Those maybe radio, I, those radio waves, those goddamn radio waves. <laughs> so now I think maybe it's because of this 50 billion. It seems like it. it's like something. <laughs> in Lebanon, in Lebanon, it's amazing. We have the reverse happen. You check your account, five thousand is gone. <laughs> oh man! You know, I was actually thinking if I go to Lebanon, like I was like, should I go to Beirut for a while? Because I wanted. So I had this personal thing happened in New in New York, and and anyway, I was thinking that I wanted to like, it's been a while, I was thinking to explore somewhere else. Uh, because New York, after eight years, I felt I, I'm, I'm ready to, to try something else. Yeah. Uh, and also I, be, I, like, I found the city to be too uh, over, overrated, you know, like, I mean, it's great, I love it, but the, the amount of money you pay I know, to, I know. to live and, and to kind of live, live between bracket, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, I mean, I, f I thought this is, this is, this is such a ripoff, you know, and, and so I wanted to like, you know, 
have have a better life, have a better way of spending my money rather than flushing down, flush, flushing. <laughs> the illusion <down>. of <laughs> life in New York brought to you. You know what life. I mean? And yeah. and and it's like why you know? So so I thought let me explore somewhere else. So so and I've been here to Berlin before, and I really like the chill vibe. And I found that it's very very cost. Uh, uh, it's very like. Yeah, it's very fr- artist friendly, let's say. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. artist friendly. And uh, the cost of living is super reasonable, very reasonable. And it's very good location. So I'm like, let me give it a shot. You know, I, did, I didn't really, I didn't really care, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> and I, I now I, 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 you know, I feel I've done the right choice, definitely. I love it. And this Africa has been brought to you by the German Ministry of Yeah, Africa. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want to uh, just respect people's time. Um, thought, uh, I think it would be fun to go out with one of your tunes. I have a few of them that uh, were uh, loaded up. Um, do you think this is a good one to sort of play us out a little bit? Which one? Samai? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yes. Kind of talk us through a little bit. I didn't realize the German were so welcoming. They were super welcoming, by the way. Definitely. That was like one of my first experiments. Uh, and, yeah. you know, the first time I tried to... So this is the Sama'i, which is a traditional uh, Arabic uh, rhythm. Yeah. It's like a 10-8. Yeah. And I wanted to do something with it. And so I composed this piece. And then I decided to, like, submit it to the Thelonious Monk Jazz Composers Competition, which I really, really thought that was like... I mean, well, you know, I had absolutely no you know feeling that yeah. this will this will go anywhere because so many people apply but i was like you know why not let's do it so when i decided to apply uh i decided to have russia sing on it so i made this part that we just heard so i, I made this like difficult stuff because i knew she could she i mean she's amazing obviously and um yeah and then it it won and and this definitely First of all, it gave me an amazing, uh, you know, like uh, a validation of 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 yeah. that, that what I'm doing is is saying something, is going places, uh, and at the same time, it uh, it affected it affected my career for sure. I mean, the prize and being because that that prize, the same people who organized the Thelonious Monk competition is the Monk Institute who organized organized the first International Jazz Day, which happened at the UNESCO. And because I've, I, I won this, they invited me to be part of it. And, and this also gave more invitations to the International Jazz Day where I got to play with like my heroes, basically. I mean, I've met Herbie, you know, I've, I've hanged out with him in the, in the backstage. I've, I've played with Wayne Shorter. These were like, really, yeah. it's just dreams come true. I mean, so, so all of that happened because I was like, let me try and apply to this. <laughs> competition <laughs> yeah um first of all huge thanks to thought it for doing this and a huge thanks to ahmed for uh co-hosting this was a huge I, this was like a, a dream uh so it was really really fun to do this 
and and thank you so much guys really thank you for everybody for being here uh, it was so so nice really i loved that uh, that discussion can we can we do it again okay yeah we can <laughs> we can i think the next one is going to be exclusively on uh, hip hop um, <laughs> okay i mean I'm i like... will say if anyone has any feedback you know we're learning we are trying to make as many mistakes as possible and learn from them so we're trying new stuff if you guys have any thoughts uh, write them in the comments uh, we're trying we're trying to do things that feel fun and provide curiosity and community to everybody so thank you so much guys and i want to thank everybody and uh, you all some i mean i i'm not such i'm not good at multitasking so i couldn't like reply to the you know <laughs> comments and talk at the same time even though i would have loved to but uh, yeah have a wonderful night Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We have new episodes coming every single week. Make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. You can find us at afikra.com for information about all upcoming events. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks a lot. See you next time and stay curious.